Podcast, the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. I'm your host, Warren, on this beautiful day-ish, almost night. Uh, we're just going to be hanging out. Uh, I'm actually super excited because for the first time in a long time, we are recording in person. Yeah. I have the beautiful mouth of the South here in my recording studio. How's it going, Brylan? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me over to your humble abode, and I'm happy to be here. And it's been awesome hanging out with you today. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. We, we've been hanging out today. We actually did a double feature. Almost a triple feature, but Bradley didn't want to see Mamma Mia with me. But that's okay. I'm what gonna... is a Mamma Mia? What is a Mamma Mia? Uh, but we did a double feature today. We actually been uh, talking about what we've been watching. So I'm going to toss it over to Bradley and says, Brian, what you uh, sipping on and what you been watching? Uh, right now I'm sipping on a Sam Adams Porch Rocker, the superior brother of the, the, the Narragansett Shandy. So <laughs> I'll drink this. Um, you don't have to shit on the shandy. It has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Hashtag shit on the shandy. <laughs> Hashtag don't shit on the shandy. <laughs> but um, yeah, what uh, we've been watching. So we decided to do a twofer of Skyscraper and Equalizer 2. So to get ready, I watched Equalizer this morning. And this was actually like one of my favorite shows as a kid. Where it's definitely one of those shows that had like a minimal budget. So it, they made the character kind of like... This uh, ghost, um, not necessarily an assassin, but person that helps out people that are actually being oppressed or things. And he's like played by an old British guy in a long jacket. He has a black car. And then when you see like thugs beating up an innocent person, you see this car drive up. The brights are on. He steps out. He's in front of the brights casting this looming shadow. Then it cuts to the thugs beaten up and he just drives away. <laughs> That's what the whole movie, the whole TV show was. Uh, so to see it like modernized, I thought that the movie The Equalizer actually took the concepts of what the t- made the TV show great, like that mystery of this uh, good Samaritan that's taken the law into his own hands. And they definitely modernized it for this day and age, like having. Um, Having uh, Denzel Washington's character, McCall, uh, be able to, like, kind of help people day-to-day with uh, just life values and stuff, I find that really endearing for the character. But then, man, they ramp up the action really well, but they still keep it where he's kind of like a ghost in every single action scene where he has a stopwatch that he times how he's going to take out all these people. They have this slow-mo vision before he takes out people. And then uh, you see him, like, do two or three moves, and then, like, everybody's dead. And it gets crazy. But I found it to be a very enjoyable film for that. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I actually just recently watched the first one. Actually, by recently, I've never seen it before. So I just watched the first one um, last week or the week before with my buddy. And I was like, oh, I I was kind of bummed because, A, is Denzel Washington. B, he's kicking ass, and C, it actually has a positive message, so why am I not, like, watching this movie? But I thoroughly enjoyed it, too. 
I'm your host Warren today. Uh, what I am watching, I am drinking is currently also drinking a porch rocker, so it's always delicious. And what I've been watching, I've been watching a bunch of other movies and TV shows as normal. Uh, it was actually nice to uh, actually get caught up. You know, I watched one of the episodes of Cloak and Dagger, so I'm pretty excited to unlock that a little bit. Uh, but I've actually been going back and kind of watching um, the ESPN sort of uh, detail with Kobe Bryant. He did one with Trey Young, which I thought was really, really cool. Even because there was a lot more focus on the uh, Summer League for some reason this year. Uh, so I was end up watching a lot of the NBA Summer League games, which I thought was pretty cool. And so he did a detail on him. It's about 20, 20 minutes long, something too crazy. And that was really, really entertaining just to see that, you know, how this young kid, well, I think when 19, 20 years old, is not even like fully like in the NBA yet. He could be, right? He probably will. But that's cool just to see him and like give him that um, impression of this is how to make your game better. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I saw the Jason Tatum one and I thought it was uh, cool that when Kobe does these things, just the like production of him like in the spotlight and the control center comes on. So silly. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but it like kind of works for what it is. Well, I like but it. But he always refers to himself yep. as the player, which I think is a neat perspective to take. That he's not just saying like, oh, so you see how Jason does this. He's like, I'm moving the ball this way. And the yeah. reason why I would do that is because of this. But if I do this, I'm going to make a mistake and they can easily steal it from me. Yeah. I thought it was cool because it's like a pseudo Westworld sort of uh, opening. Yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't I didn't pick up on it until recently, probably in the last couple of weeks. I was like, oh, that's like the Westworld introduction. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't even like, kind of like, realize that, but that was cool. Yeah, so I've been watching that. I've also been watching a lot of other TV, but... We're not going to get into that one stuff just now. But today, we're here to give you a full review of Sorry to Bother You by director Boots Riley, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler, and a bunch of other people. I'm going to go ahead and read this IMDb. It says, in an alternate present-day version of Oakland, telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, propelling him into a macabre universe. We are probably going to do this a little bit differently, so before we get into our spoiler section, I'm going to cut this. What we're going to be doing is that we're going to do this a little bit differently. We're going to actually start with our spoiler section for right now, so we're going to take a break here and says, if you haven't seen this movie, stop the podcast right now, go watch it, definitely come back. I would definitely suggest people to watch this movie overall, just because I think he's going to give you a lot of different... Um, points of view, and I think is also a very creative movie and something you just don't really see uh, before. What do you got? Uh, yeah, so like this movie uh, reminds me of a lot of movies I love to watch in college. So uh, things like A Life Less Ordinary or Michelle Gondry films, uh, even like something like Pulp Fiction or Being John Malkovich. It has this thing where the visual style of it is the is at the forefront and it's more of like the theme of the and the tone of the movie and how the characters portray themselves and what they stand for versus any substantial plot to it yeah so we'll be back shortly uh for a full review of sorry to bother you
back and we are the Down and Friend Podcast. I'm Warren. I'm with Brylin. What we're going to be doing is giving you a full review of Sorry to Bother You with spoilers included. So again, if you haven't seen the movie, you probably don't want to go on for right now. But let's open up. Let's start talking about this movie here. So Brylin, it looks like we want to kind of just open up and have just like a bit of a discussion on this. Mm-hmm. Looks like we kind of base it off of just a couple of things. So we're going to talk about the characters. We'll talk about the visual style and story a little bit. And then we'll just kind of open up to like any other sort of thoughts that you had had because this was definitely a different movie. Already, yeah. I know that it was tough to see this movie because it didn't start as a world like a wide release, which I think was kind of weird, um, or unless that's planned. But it definitely is like an independent. And a lot of the uh, trailers in front of it, although I didn't watch it, but I, I see at least some of the uh, some of the um, some of the stuff from there. It was like another also like independent movies that before my showing. I don't know if that you saw that too. Yeah, it was an independent release, so yeah, it was gonna have. It's one of those things like. It'll release small and then get bigger and bigger depending on if it's making money or not. But it looks like it's being pretty much pretty successful so far, which is good. Cool. Because these type of movies need to be supported. Absolutely. And I definitely think it's going to be an interesting movie to talk about because I'll probably have some wins that you might criticize. You may have some. I might have some criticisms you think are big wins. So it can definitely go either way, and that's what these movies are for: is exactly. to have like that discussion and everything. But um. When it comes to like the characters and acting, uh, I've said this many times before that I think Lakeith Stanfield is amazing, very talented actor. If he in his work in Atlanta or Get Out, I thought he definitely stood out, stands out in those roles that he has. But also for him to have this like first lead role in a movie like this, I think it's kind of um, fitting for who he is as an actor. He's definitely has like a very um, existential take on a lot of uh, characters that he creates. And Cassius Green is no different. Um, I do like the character of Cassius Green a lot. He's like a very pragmatic and humble individual that all he knows is he, I mean, he knows he needs a job to make money, to keep a roof over his head. And, um, but he also has this naivete because he definitely wants to, do as well as possible and it's actually very telling when he's being interviewed for a job at regal view that he makes up all he like makes his own trophies and awards <laughs> to say like how good he was in his last uh <laughs> jobs that hey he's got a creative mind to him and he actually has uh some ingenuity to him so he's definitely not going to be like your run of the mill telemarketer and that's what some that's the thing that, that the uh, interviewer finds appealing of him is that hey he's doing anything possible to have this job and want this job. And so showing that hunger and that drive, I think is uh, an interesting tool for Cassius because it takes him on many different journeys throughout the movie. I thought that was uh, like uh, just such a great opening, um, like uh, just an opening way to like interview, especially for a telemarketer and how they kind of turned it upside down. Um, but I'm definitely going to kind of agree with you. I, I really enjoy Keith Stanfield a lot, especially in the the works that you're talking about, because he's a very, very different character. Even from Atlanta season one to season two, he he was making some statements and comments that were, I think, very like almost like mind boggling, but like also it was like very, very deep and like kind of opened up. And even in Atlanta, I think it was something interesting. Of you know, he had went to the uh, gun range. 
and he he's, he went to the shooting range and he uh, he had like a picture of a dog. Uh, it was like some sort of animal that he put up there and everybody was freaking out that he was target practicing on an animal. He was like, well, you're target practicing on human beings. Why are you shooting those? You shouldn't be shooting people, right? And I was like, that's, a, that's, that's actually that's a good, good point. point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a great fucking point. Uh, but yeah, he does. He's absolutely amazing. He's great in this actual movie itself. I think I really want to see him in more work. Um, I think... This year, they'll belong to Tessa Thompson, for sure. I know oh, yeah. Talk she's about everywhere. That. She's everywhere. You know, Westworld. But she's also popping up in, like, Thor Ragnarok, which, which I know was last last year. But the the more pieces of work that she's in, she's also, like, gorgeous and over 40. And doesn't she can still easily pull off the fact that she can be, like, a... She's over two, 40? Yeah, I think she's over 40. Yeah, wow. like, 43, 44, something like that. But she can easily pull off these roles and still kind of stand her own. And I love... Her character in this movie also has like some really, really cool points about it. I guess one of the negatives though is that I really wanted to like learn a bit more about her character. Her character was really interesting. She even has that, um, you know, she <laughs> she was gonna do her art show and like even the section of like doing her art show and kind of repeating that same information. I thought that was like very impactful, but you don't. We didn't really get a chance to learn a little bit more about her and, like, some of their follow-throughs, so I think that was kind of a bummer. Um, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think, like, the character of Detroit, um, definitely a very enigmatic character, very uh, full of energy that Tessa Thompson brings. Um, I feel that they use a lot more visual style for the character to represent herself rather than uh, Tessa Thompson, and it, that's why it felt like it was dialed back a little that maybe she should have been a bit more prominent in cash's life mm -hmm. uh but um it it was she was kind of just like how she played her role in creed even though her role in creed is definitely more is substantial impactful towards adonis's character mm -hmm. as a whole compared to cassius and i think just because of all the stuff they wanted to add to this movie that's why it feels like uh she doesn't have as much of an impact in this movie here. Yeah, I guess I think I guess that's okay. You know, what about Army Hammer? Army Hammer, I love what he's doing here. Uh, Army Hammer is definitely uh, an actor I really like. I've always liked him, like in The Social Network. I love him in um, in uh, oh, what's that movie? Uh, the Man from Uncle. Yeah, as the Russian agent, he's fantastic so as that. Yeah, and. Here he kind of brings that like blue blood, like upper crust, uh, like voice that he had for the Winklevoss twins back. But it's like if a Winklevoss twin decided to do a lot of crack and just in the acid and just like doesn't know, like doesn't really understand what reality is all about. And I think that's a definitely a substantial like discussion to have is like when you reach a certain level, we don't know even. When we uh, see him, he's playing Steve Lift, the uh, the actually the CEO of Worry Free, another company in this movie. That um, we don't know if he's a self-made man or if he inherited money or anything. We just know he's at this position of power uh, in the country and in the world. That where his world is totally different because he can shape it to be what he wanted it to be, hmm. and so when that when that stands out, where his disconnect happens, and so like we see like in real life, like Elon Musk gets flack for like 
making a company called the boring company that's just going to drill holes under the world or like saying like oh i'm going to send my car to mars type of thing because i am elon musk i mean i think it's a very exaggerated version of what that is mm-hmm. and the way he takes in the his ideas that not to say evil he just sees it as I think this is the next big thing, <laughs> literally and figuratively, <laughs> that he plays it so well. And also, like, when he is talking to Cassius, and we'll definitely get into this scene a lot. Uh, we'll get into this scene a little later, that when he meets Cassius for the t- first time and how he treats him and stuff. And that's very telling, like, when you're different social positions and also economic positions in life, mm-hmm. um, how, how can you how can you find that disconnect and connect them is what I always try to perceive and search for. But in this movie, it's like this total disconnection and he has a perception of who Cassius is and Cassius is just like, what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, and you know, talking about some other um, characters, you have the Mr. Blank character um, played by actor Omari Hardwick, which I actually don't know if I've ever seen him in anything else. He looks familiar. He, he looked like Jordan Peele to me. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is Jordan Peele? But no, it's not. So, I mean, looking at some of the roles he had, he was in Kick-Ass as Sergeant Marcus Williams. I don't remember. Hmm. Maybe I actually have seen Oh, him. so he, he's uh, Hit Girl's foster dad yeah. at the end. Yeah, there you go. That's why. Maybe because he also has an eye patch and a hilarious mustache. Yeah, he has an eye patch, a bowler, a weird mustache. He's wearing... Uh, suspenders and yeah. wingtips, and so he's definitely into. He has a costume on, so yeah. it's tough to. I guess I was like, oh, I have, I have seen him, but uh, yeah, you know, is is it, it's interesting because you also kind of mentioned this, and I think we get into this a little bit later, but the the his character was also very interesting, and as a whole, I was very interested to see what story Boots Riley is trying to to uh, to tell here because he wrote and directed it. And coming from, you know, the socioeconomic status or the politicalness of it or things like that, like, that really, really had got me going. And I think arguably, and I know I would, you know, Mocha Mike, if he was on here, and even Mike Blewett, they would probably say, what? This will be one of the movies I would say for people to watch the trailer. Because even if you were to watch the trailer, because this movie's out there, even if you were to watch the trailer, it still doesn't give anything of what this movie is about at all but at least watch the trailer to understand what you're going into because this movie i don't think is for a lot of people but it's very important that everybody should watch it if that makes sense yeah um what huh what (laughs) (laughs) it's for everybody but i mean it's cool so talking more about the characters i i really like army hammer i'm glad that he's in like better stuff. I think we saw him the first time in The Social Network, and then he was making some movies that were pretty questionable, and I'm like, oh, bro, just get him, hey, get him in the MCU, or just get him in something that he can be that lead man. Yeah. But I've also noticed that he's been a great supporting actress and actor, and he's also a great sort of character role, too. I think he's been kind of... This was definitely a character role in this yeah. movie. And I liked him because he, he can look like a lead man, right? Like, he looked like he would be the star of this movie, but he also can step in and have those supporting roles and still give it his, his best. So I really like seeing him in this movie a lot. At um, one time, he was going to play Batman. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, he'd make a fantastic Batman. He'd be great at Batman. It's not too late. 
I get it. That would be great. I, I would love to see him as Batman. I think that would be pretty cool. I was just thinking, like, I wonder if, like, he'll be playing, like, Superman or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, in any case. Uh, you know, what else are some other characters that stood out for you, Brylon? Uh, I would say, like, there there's some cool trifectas here that I like. So, uh, Robin Longstreet, who plays Anderson. Kate Berlant, who plays Diana Dubois-Charet. <laughs> It's not debauchery. That, that looks like debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> Michael X. Summers as Johnny. They So these type of movies, they definitely need stereotypes to drive them at times to keep the wackiness going. And these three like play some of the best stereotypes of middle management I've ever seen. And you have like different archetypes. I like Johnny's like trying to be like, you know, the guy. He's kind of like trying to be that guy with you in the trenches, but also at the same time, he's just visibly like, fuck this job mm. <laughs> and he's just so he's just trying anyway to like kind of like um sacrifice like his position just by cussing at everybody uh but also um i think anderson he was good as just like the apathetic like senior manager just overseeing the uh, call center and diana de Beaucheray being that manager that um that's like hey we can do it as a team like the super peppy pep talk manager and, like, I've run into, like, managers that are similar to that all through my lifetime. And it's like, yep, yep, yep. That's what I've been <laughs> Check those watching. boxes off. Like, oh, Check those boxes uh-huh. off. I know who they are and exactly what role they play right now. That's fantastic. The part that, you know, Diana de uh that absolutely, absolutely had me dying when she was typing in the password for the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> and I just looked up to see, apparently, that's Rosario Dawson's voice is the elevator voice. I didn't even realize. Yeah. Uh, but that part was hilarious. I was like, oh my gosh. I love how they, they put something in this movie and then it feels like he just cranks it up to like over a thousand and it says this is how like hilarious or weird we're going to make this moment. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I would say another trifecta that I thought was really good, even though we don't see him on screen, David Cross, Pat Oswalt, and Lily James as the white voices for some <laughs> of our characters in this movie. Uh, they do a great job because, yeah, you... You recognize them, like, do I know that voice? Like, yeah, and they're, like, hamming it up really well. And they ham it up the right amount. They don't make it super cheesy or anything. Uh, it's just more of, like, a very overexcited, I'm eager to meet you or sorry to bother you type of voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you mentioned something, t- too. We're going to probably talk about this a lot. The fact that they call it, you know, the white voice, and they keep right. saying this a lot in this movie. Uh, it's the fact that, you know, Cassius, in order for him to actually sell these things, he puts on this white voice and he gets this idea from Danny Glover, who actually is also in this movie. And so once he starts putting on that white voice, then he becomes like the top salesman. And this is some of the information that I think you actually get from the trailer. So I think this is why it's helpful to know that it is, a, it is very offensive. I think right. it's meant to be offensive for a reason, but if you just stop at it being offensive and just as uh, like on the surface level, I don't think you're gonna get all the other stuff that it's trying to tell in this movie because it's offensive, it's hilarious, it's like ooh, I'm not sure. Even to the point, so we'll talk a little bit about, about this in the plot of um, Cassius when because uh, him and you know Detroit are, are are dating and Cassius is talking in his white voice while he's not at work and that's like kind of sort of affecting their relationship and says hey that's actually changing your identity of who you are which i also think is like crazy how uh this writer director boots riley he's put this in this movie i'm like this is amazing that 
he he kind of gets it, or at least it sucks. He knows a lot of people that probably are in the same um, uh, like scenario. So I think that's that's what sucks. But. Yeah, and I think the whole idea of um, having to change your voice to achieve certain things is a very interesting concept. Um, it definitely means something very specific in this when it comes to black characters having to change their voice to not be who they are to mm-hmm. get something accomplished. But I think, like, you know, we've all been there where in order for us to be understood at work a little bit more, we got to change our language a bit or we got to change our tone of voice. I got to, some people would say in, in Boston that I have a strong southern accent. It's kind of for the norm or very subtle where I grew up. Uh, and I would actually get different results depending on how I actually spoke to someone. And it's like, I never took it as a negative. It's like, oh, I now have a new tool, new skill set I can actually use to mm-hmm. make things happen for me. Um, I like that. I, I, I really like how, what you're, I really like what you're saying here. But yeah. I, I like that concept because, you know, for me, I'm from upstate New York. We don't really have an accent. It's like really displaced all over the place. But I have a lot of family from Jacksonville, Florida, and that definitely is a yeah. accent down there, you know. <laughs> and so it's interesting because I went to school, you know, I think a lot of you listeners know I went to school for theater, like a lot of different voice acting, lots of different stuff. So a lot of my whatever accents I had is all gone. And I'm able to step into those different roles. And I have, you know, I had back then, I have my Apple voice way back in the day. And I have my training more proper voice, right? And I think it's something to say of when... You put on your white voice, you know, and even for me, people have like said that, oh, this person speaks white, right? And I'm like, what, is what that does mean? that mean? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I love, oh man, I wish everybody could see you. You're like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm like, precisely. What does that mean? Like, is it because I'm proper? Is it how I was raised? Like, I'm, because I don't talk hood, whatever that you want to actually say. So it's all that frustration and anger. But then he puts this in this movie and that's just a, a, a part of it of... Uh, you know, it's just something that I couldn't uh, explain, and now he put it in there perfectly, and now, not only did he put it in there perfectly, it says, hey, this is what I really mean by putting on your white voice, because literally, right. this is what people have to do, and so I'm glad that he put that in, I, I, that was a very impactful thing uh, that he made in this movie, and I'm sure people were probably pissed off and also offended by it, but it's also interesting to know that, you know, what if people have, like, you know, half black, half white, doesn't matter. Like, there's no such thing as, you know, white voice, black voice, gangster, whatever that it is. Uh, it's just how you talk. And this also people being people and your individuality is important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you definitely want to be yourself in your life. And mm-hmm. it's uh, definitely comes to the concept of more like when you're put in scenarios in life. I mean, we see this most time when we're working a job is that, yeah, you're going to have to fit into probably a tighter box than you're used to just your everyday life in order to actually get the job done. Because other if you don't, uh, then no one's going to li- not just, na- I mean, just not listen to you, listen to you, but they're not going to take you seriously unless you say it in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it's also good too, because uh, we talked about like Keith Stanfield and, the more I'm talking about this with you, the more I've actually seen a lot of this in Get Out, which is also crazy to think that that movie can actually get better behind other works, is because he actually does put on, literally turns into a white person, right? Yeah. Or like a white person goes into his body. 
in Get Out. Sorry for the spoilers for Get Out, but I mean that's your fault, not mine. Um, but you know, he at, at first when we first see him, he's the first person that we meet on the movie Get Out. He's talking on the phone. You can hear that he clearly is like a completely different person. And when he's like reintroduced a little bit later on in the movie. In this movie, he starts the same, and then he has to put on this facade of this white voice. And then once he put on the facade of the white voice, that's when all his success comes. And so I think it's, uh, I think that's very interesting. It's a, it's a very telling uh, thing of man that started in Get Out, and still that's something that he can do. Uh, again, if you haven't seen Atlanta, his character is really really good in that one too. So, yeah. like he Stanfield, definitely keep making some, um, keep making some more movies. Yeah, um, one other actor I just wanted to mention, even though he has a very, very small role, I think it's very important, um, is Terry Crews as Sergio, Cash's uncle. We only see him in, I think, two or three scenes, but I believe he's the character here to remind us, no matter what craziness you're about to see, this is the impact of the reality of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like, how we say, like, since Cassius doesn't have a job, He's not able to pay rent. He's not going to have a house. Then nobody's going to have a house. And that's kind of like the first um, the first uh, moment we have with them. And I think Cassius and um, Sergio, it plays off very comically. And at the end, he's like, Cassius, I'm your motherfucking uncle. Give me more rent. <laughs> and you think right. it's just like another like uh, Terry Crews like, caricature. Uh, but the cool thing is here, it's like Terry plays this character very understated. And I think that in just very earnest. And I think that was necessary for this movie to kind of give us a little bit of ground to come back to uh, whenever it got really batshit crazy. I think it's also interesting because I'm looking at this uh, IMDb screen now and there's only actually three people who have the last names in this movie. Which I'm curious to know, you know, Cash is green. you know, Cash green. green. Exactly, Bobby. right? Or, you know, it could be, like, young or naive, right? Or they don't, they don't know, like, green beyond a year sort of thing. Yeah. So that could be um, in, uh, interpreted by that way. Then the only other person who has a last name is Steve Lift. I don't yeah. know how I want to put that. And then Diana... Debauchery. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's only put place there for that. Debauchery. Debauchery. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's actually interesting. I just looked at that. I'm like, oh, that's um, cool. Uh, any other characters you want to uh, bring up? before we uh, move to uh, the visual style of the story? Uh, those are the ones that really stood out to me. I know there's a couple more characters. I don't know if you wanted to talk to them a little bit, but I also found them to be kind of in the part of the movie that was kind of uninteresting to me as well. Yeah, I like the Stephen, uh, Stephen Yoon's character, the name Squeeze. Uh, if you don't know Stephen Yoon's from The Walking Dead, uh, or, you know, spoiler alert, he used to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, his character squeeze and him coming in kind of rallying i also like that because he reminded me of you know sergio's character that there's real shit actually happening yeah in this in this world right this world is not completely fantastical like although people put on a white voice all the stuff that we talked about right now is is real you know people actually do that in today's day and age uh, and so it was a nice another reminder because although you have a couple different storylines happening simultaneously, he's still trying to kind of like unite people, trying to kind of rally together, trying to get them benefits, trying to like create a um, a union yeah. at this place so that to make sure we can kind of fight the good fight sort of thing. So I thought that was really really cool for them to keep that character in here along with uh, Jermaine Fowler's character Salvador, which is his front friend. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I don't like, like his best friend. Best friend, yeah. yeah. And so I like that there was still 
you know, there wasn't anything in this movie that says, oh, Catch is like, you know, you, like uh, going back to your roots and like you have to be like a black character or stuff like that. Like, I'm glad they didn't like go on that route. It was more along the lines of kind of taking your care of yourself and like how you want to um, uh, carry yourself and like still actually being part of a team and like being each other's friends. I thought that was pretty cool and how he ended up kind of abandoning that a little bit later on. Yeah, and I, I definitely like how the ending wraps up and we'll get into that, that um, what it says about Cash's character when he says something about where is he at in life mm. after a lot of crazy shit happens. And yeah, we'll get more into that. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the visual, uh, visual style in the story. Yeah. So this movie, like I said before, it reminded me a lot of, uh, movies from like the late nineties, early thousands that definitely played with visual styles, like any Michelle Gondry films or, uh, being John Malkovich, things like that, where uh, they use a lot of different mediums and different uh, setups of staging to give you a good idea of, or like not only humorous, but like kind of get you a little bit more into um, what your characters are thinking and how they actually perceive different situations. Like I love how Whenever Cassius is on a call, Regal View, he just immediately just drops into that person's house. Because mm. one thing, it's like kind of, you can take it either way. Like Cassius is kind of like imagining what his, what his characters are doing at that moment. So he can position himself the best way possible to talk to them and get their attention about um, like time life books. It's like a very mundane thing he has to sell to them. Or it could be showing you like the obstacles he has because he doesn't have that visual connection to that person. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really cool to see how they played with that. Uh, to uh, see everything from a guy sitting on the toilet to a couple having sex. Who answers the phone while they're having sex? <laughs> you never and, know, and, man. The pizza could be coming. You, you never know. Possibly. And like that, I just found that to be odd, but... I, really, I always also thought it was very humorous, but also very telling at the same time. I, I, that. I love the fact that, you know, there was one sequence that, you know, he drops in and there's a woman who's grieving and uh, they have a model of uh, stick to the script. Yeah. Right? I think this was called. Stis. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they have a model to, like, stick to the script and that's, like, verbatim so many jobs that's on there it doesn't matter what it is and he was still trying to sell stuff to this lady when she was, she even said that hey i just i'm not financially available to do that um but i also think that was pretty cool just for us you know because they could have easily shown like a phone call and then being hang, hung up and that's fine but in order to kind of take it to the next level again we're branching out and like really having this creative niche and this is what i really really liked about uh Boots Riley's like directorial and like how he created that. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like that's actually really cool. Uh, I really wanted more of that. I'm glad they kept doing it in a lot of different sort of areas too. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think like his visual style just becomes more talent. Like to bring more of their characters out as well. Like especially with Detroit because she is an artist, a visual artist, and so they use visual elements to kind of have her uh, emotions shown and stuff because she's very. Uh, she's very lively and energetic, but she's not always, she has a good poker face is the best way I could describe it. Yeah. That you couldn't really tell is she happy or sad right now until she's just super, super angry about something. And I love how, what they did with her earrings. Her earrings always changing and showing like a kind of mood she has when she's talking to Cassius for the most part or a certain individual that they would say like some very like dark, twisted messages 
Uh, I forget exactly like what some of the earrings said, but some of them were like, um, say this to me and I'll kill you type of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just more of like showing like what's on her actual mind in a conversation rather than uh, what's actually the words coming out of her mouth during that time too. What else you got? Um, I found like, um, let's see here, the claymation video that uh, Stephen left, <laughs> that Steve left shows to Cassius. I forgot about that video. First of all, it's like a straight up knock against Michelle Gondry, <laughs> like to the point of the director's name, but like the weird claymation video that's just done in a shitty way just to, um, talk about this whole idea of the next evolution of mankind being these half horse half human equisapiens yes. yes and how is it going to benefit humanity and everything and everything's like a big positive message and the whole idea of like worry free is a company that basically their whole business concept is indentured servitude yes <laughs> because it's like come work for us and we take care of you we give you free housing free food uh, you have a job <laughs> you don't have to worry about anything it's worry free it's uh, like it's so they it's, basically enslaved millions of people yeah, I, I love it because it starts out as it's something in the background of like worry free and we start seeing that it's commercials and you see that there's protesting about the commercials itself. That's kind of that's kept going throughout the movie. But I was uh, for me, I was like, okay, like I, I wonder if he's gonna do this. And people were talking about like maybe I should join, like maybe I should do that. And some of their commercials are you have like four people, four grown people in like orange jumpsuits that are in bunk beds basically, and like yeah, we're having a good time. Like uh, <laughs> I have a lot of care in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I like the food. So I thought that was really cool for them to actually tie it all together at the end. I'm like, oh. Oh shit, that's awesome! I didn't even think about that. And so, literally, uh, and this is the scene that we're going to be bringing up: is uh, they are turning people into horse people, equisapiens, and who are much much stronger and like taller and have work longer hours. Exactly, and they have big longer penises. longer dicks. <laughs> longer dicks. And I think that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, and so, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Se the sequence here, the conversation between um, Cassius. And uh, Steve Lift uh, yeah. in that uh, in their office. So yeah, or I'll even start with like Steve Lift's house because it kind of like Steve Lift, entering Steve Lift's house is entering like his reality distortion field. So mm -hmm. you become you enter into Steve Lift world. It's a it's an amusement park all about Steve Lift. And so when you walk in, it's like crazy cocaine orgies happening in one room. A bunch of people are in another room just hearing Steve tell crazy stories and you hear see people in another room just sitting there looking bored and they're like saying they're excited <laughs> anyway. Uh, and like it gets to a point where like when Cassius is there for the first time, he's been through a lot. There's uh, some things we'll get into that he's been through up until then, but there's like people watching a YouTube video of him constantly and then just the fakest laughs happening to, through it. But also one of the most... Uh, I would say, I, I mean, I laughed at it and, but also I found it very unnerving. It's like, kind of like that uncomfortable laughter is the whole thing when Steve says, Hey, what rap do you know? And to and, Cassius and he's like, Cassius, don't you rap? And Cassius is just like, Hey, I don't rap. Actually don't. I don't know how to rap. So I 
loved this scene well, a lot. It is like, amazing scene. Oh, so good. And oh, I mean, so the reason why I love this scene is they it it's like the stereotypical oh you know this person's black so they must run fast or they must yeah. rap or they must do something like creative right or play it's like make it a stereotype out of that person that you just met yeah but then it pushes it to the next level and I love the movies that goes to a point and says okay this is how people are going to get uncomfortable again utilizing the white voice right people are going to be uncomfortable that's going to be offensive but then how can I take it to the next level to to fully understand what's happening so in this sequence it takes it to it takes it to the level of oh hey you need you can rap right like you you have to be an app oh go rap go rap and he's like no 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 he's like no no you're gonna rap he's like no 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 i won't and the screen cuts away and it got me because i was like oh thank god he's not gonna rap and then sure enough he's up there it's like and starts rapping and he's trying to do some stuff and he's bombing and everybody's like literally like staring at him he's like uh 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 and the best part happens, I think, here, is when he goes and says, nigga, 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 nigga. And everybody's like, yeah! yeah. They're all cheering back and forth. And I'm like, oh, Booth Riley, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, because, like, people are going to fucking hate this. But thank you for doing that. Yeah, and what makes it a cool scene is, like, that can be broken down in so many elements because there is the one thing of, like, just stereotyping Cassius as soon as you meet him. But also, it's like what's going to feed that crowd that believes in stereotypes, but just the dumbest, <laughs> most stereotypical, what they, it's showing like, oh, this is what rap is, is literally yes. these two words. Yes. And if he says that, it's going to get a pop. Yeah. And uh, I wish that we can probably, uh, we can have an entire podcast about that, this yeah. one sequel. Any, so I think we can have an entire podcast about Steve Lift's house and every <laughs> sequel that happens in his house. But we can't. I do want to. I do want to also mention that I think it was another commentary that talks about modern music to, in this day and age for right now. Yeah. Because a lot of the even for right now, and I could be sounding like an old timer, but I don't give a shit. Uh, like the mumble rap, uh, and literally you have no idea what a person says, or a per, you just see people just repeating just the chorus of a song, which I think he was also putting into this one here of like oh, I can just say two, three words and everybody's going to be like, yeah, I don't even know what this person says, but I still like it sort of thing. And right. this is how you're going to actually entertain this crowd, which still happened to be not black people, right? There's actually a bunch of other races, but there was no black people there. Right, except uh, for Mr. Blank. Exactly. Mr. Blank and Cassius were the only two black people there. And the other thing we uh, I do want to mention is that we, uh, you know, any time that we are in Steve Lift's house, again, I think we, we really want to talk about this, is that you can only use your white voice there. So right. once you go up and, you know, in the, in the part of this movie, Cassius gets, like, promoted all the way up. He only can use his white, white voice. He can only use his white voice at uh, Steve Lift's house to a certain point when they, things get a little bit more serious. And so I think that's just another way to show of, you know, Cassius is slowly but surely, like, losing more and more of his identity in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it's... I, I wonder if you have a take on this, because... I always, I'm still, like, thinking about it, like, when Mr. Blank tells Cassius he should go see Steve in his office, that's when we actually hear Mr. Blank's real voice, mm -hmm. the only time we hear it. And I'm still, like, so why did he change to his real voice to tell him about, go see Steve? I think at that point, because he, and this is what I love about his character, Mr. Blank, is... 
we I thought he was just a stereotypical like doesn't give a shit dude, in that he was either kind of bought into this, but he then switches out and does his normal voice after that nigga 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 scene because I think he was he also kind of felt. Sorry, and I think he was also kind of feeling it a bit too. And so he knew the path that Cash was kind of going down. But, I mean, I have a couple different point of, uh, points here, but um, I'm wondering if he was kind of feeling bad about that. It was like, yeah, you know, it's basically, it's fucked up. I know it's fucked up, but we get a lot of money and this is, you know. Yeah, this, this is, is the how, king. Exactly. This is how I choose to live my life. It's fucked up, but I'd rather choose it this way than some yeah. another way. Or do you think he was tricking him, and you knew he was gonna he he you knew he knew that he was gonna fuck it up because he even said don't fuck it up for all of us. He knew he was gonna fuck this up, and so he sent them into the office for that reason. And again, t- going from the Cassius Green line because he was so like young and naive. Do you think he like kind of jumped jumped the gun instead of like like having you know like Steve Lift was saying hey let's watch this video no I'm gonna show you this video first. Uh, do you think he was, like, tricking him, or do you think he was on his side, Mr. Blank? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think with, uh, Mr. Blank's character, I mean, he definitely is, like, kind of mentoring Cassius when he becomes a power caller, and, um, and, like, he's the person that Cassius naturally gravitates to, because that's who Cassius saw himself wanting to be every single time he goes into Regal View. He Mm -hmm. sees well-dressed with his bowler hat and fancy mustache and his eye patch for whatever reason uh <laughs> go into that elevator and he's like that's what i want to be and i think it's a kind of a telling of like all right to be that i have to give up all this stuff about me mm-hmm. and am i willing to do that to make it happen because you actually start to see that uh, affect his real life, his real world life as well. And you could, you probably had scenarios where when you get different jobs or gotten promotions and stuff, people start treating you differently mm-hmm. or you start seeing things from a different perspective and other people can't understand why you see it that way now. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of goes back to like growth as a person that you do have times where you make choices in life that you need to decide, is it worth the sacrifice or not? Because I think every single choice has some type of sacrifice to it, whether it's a very small one or if it's like, you know, even though I really want this new position or I want this new um, location, you're losing something yeah. to gain something else. And is that gain worth it? Yeah, I mean, And I think with Mr. Blank talking to Cassius in that moment, with his real voice, he's kind of like, all right, this is who, this is me in the real world right now. This is the real me talking to you that, yeah, you got to make a choice right now. And that choice, it's going to reflect not only on who you are, but also reflect back to me. Yeah. Just because there is that social community connection that they have too. But I guess the one thing, like I, we can talk about the fact that you know when um, you know Steve Lift and um, Cassius have a conversation of like showing the video. I I also wonder, you know, so the next scene goes, you know, um, Cassius goes in and 
he finds Steve and like he's art like Steve's putting down like a spiral of cocaine. We think it's cocaine. Well, we think it's cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> only on an actual plate, and so they start talking. And I, I guess I need to maybe like well, I'm probably gonna watch this again. But does he offer it to him, or does he say you know hey watch his video first before he offered him that? And I wonder if he had like a choice because Mr. Blink's not a Echo Sapien, right? And right. so I'm wondering like. Did he send them in that office to turn him into that or not? Yeah. Or does Mr. Blank know what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, does I think he kn- even know about the he, he, he does know about it. He does know about uh, yeah, it? Yeah, he knew. He knew he, I, I assume, right? I don't think it's like... I, it's, I guess it's not super clear. I assume that he knew about it because he also knew about all the other shit that was happening of them basically selling slaves, selling slavery and selling like manual labor. It's like, oh, they, they're selling the Equisapiens to like other countries and stuff like that. Yeah. Um... I thought he knew, but then maybe, I guess he doesn't? It's never clear. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely uh, know that they're selling humans into into slavery, indentured servitude. Yeah. Like that's a, that's Well, they call sure. them making contracts for other companies to use the labor force. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's, uh, the, that's the way the movie plays. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, oh, it's what? Ridiculous. Um, so he he knows that, but I, I'm, I'm curious if he actually knows about the Equisapiens, so that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there also is a cure. Supposedly. So, yeah, that's a good point. Because, so, like, in the video, it is saying, like, um, well, no, Steve tells them, like, the reason why I showed him the whole plan for the Equisapiens in this weird claymation video that he made for it, and it's just showing, like, how disconnected from reality Steve Lift is. He would actually make his uh, plan for the next evolution of his company out of weird claymation characters. That um, with the like the benefits of being an Equisapien is like you, it's only a five year contract, you get a nine figure salary, <laughs> and you get a giant horse cock. Yeah, and it's like within five years, I'm sure we'll have a cure. It's not a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so ridiculous, uh, and so we even see Cassius like stumble in what we thought was a bathroom, but he sees he actually sees yeah. and kind of runs into the hallway to Steve Liss' office is amazing because <laughs> it's all it is are doors that are different shades of green, and then he and uh, Steve Liss tells he like has to go Cassius has to go to the bathroom. Steve Liss tells him, "Oh, it's the uh, avocado door on the left." Yeah, and he opens up one of the green doors that he thinks it is, and he runs into the first Equisapien and see, and it's like, "Kill me, kill me now, help us, please." Which apparently is played by Forrest Whitaker, so yeah. that's hilarious. I'm not sure why, but thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I mean, it's totally a freaky moment for Cassius, and then he runs out. He runs right into Steve, and he's like, "That's not avocado. That's fucking olive." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, all he says about it. <laughs> Like this way, he's like, "How am I supposed to know?" He's like, "This all would have been explained in the video." <laughs> I thought it was ridiculous. Uh, so we definitely have, you know, these people at Worry Free that are turning people into horse people, which is kind of crazy. What else you got? Uh, so yeah, so I would say like there's a lot of cool like um, differences between a lot of uh, social movements happening in here. Mm-hmm. So we have the um, kind of like a the the protest movement called Left Eye, which are kind of like more militant protesters and everything. And I find that they come off as like kind of like very stereotypical of like what people would think of Antifa and things like that. And it's a 
Uh, it's very corny. Like there's this whole video that happens because the leader of the left eye movement says like, have a Coke and smile, bitch. <laughs> it throws it and it hits Cassius in the head while he's so going to work. Great. And like every time after that, it goes viral for some reason. And then and that's like, it's so telling because of like social media and just things that people choose to be entertained by, mm-hmm. uh, that this video of him being hit in the head with a Coke, people find is the funniest shit on the planet. And so they, he keeps starts walking down the street and they call, oh, it's the have a Coke and smile bitch guy. <laughs> and he has like this rap that's basically on his head for like the entire the rest movie. of the movie. And, and like the blood is getting bigger. Yeah, bigger. which I thought was a thing too. I thought that was um, something that they did on purpose. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah. I thought that was an actual direct reference from Kylie Jenner commercial. Yeah. I didn't really get that. But. I I mean that's what I was. Uh, that's oh really? I, well, have a coke and smile was I thought a direct reference when like the Kylie like, Jenner Pepsi. Yes, thing. I I, I thought that for sure, and I was like, ooh, I kind of hope it was. I thought it was great, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not connected to like social outrage that social media outrage that much. So oh people not. I know uh, people got yeah. crazy over that commercial, but I looked at it, I was like, eh, it's a commercial. Yeah. I, think, I don't give a shit. But I, yeah. I'm wondering if it was like, oh yeah, like like because I think she's some of the the verbiage in that commercial was was very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um but also when it comes to the to like a social movement like Left Eye, but also we look at um squeezes um move move to actually organize the telecallers into their own union. But then we also get uh, Detroit's um, artist, artistic, artist uh, show, which is like visual performance, but also a lot of visual art as well. She has this whole series of art that are um, different cutouts of the uh, continent of Africa with different things. They're colored differently or they're used with uh, different mediums. I think there's one that's just skull and bones and stuff. Uh, they all look really visually, visually uh, jar or like exciting and stuff, uh, and they all have different meanings to what the like. It's like representation of what's going on with Africa and how people treat Africa, which I thought was uh, really cool. That yeah, there's many ways people see Africa, but they're still seeing it as one thing, and that one thing's happening to the whole continent. Yeah, uh, when that's totally not the case in real life, um, and then her whole performance piece that she has at her art show that uh one we have her white voice as a british lady going around when she's trying to sell a piece of art which is also telling them that even though she's supposed to be that character that is like um for lack of better more on the left side of politics than cassius or his other friends and stuff that she is very like uh Freedom for all, very social-minded person. She mm-hmm. even joins Left Eye and does some vandalism as well. I thought she was always actually a part of it. I think, I, like, I th- they I thought kind of, she was. I, she probably was, but, mm-hmm. like, you'll see, like, smudges of black paint under her left eye, and then she wipes it away really quickly. Um, that her, that her, um, that her performance piece, which is, like, throw sheep's blood at me while I recite... This phrase from the Last Dragon. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, it's sheep's blood, 
batteries, batteries, cell phones, <laughs> like broken cell phones. Yeah. Uh, the for the fact and, that it was like the last dragon. <laughs> like what? It, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like when it comes to like what the left eye movement's doing alongside with what Detroit's doing, it comes off as very weird. Very. I mean, I I see it as dumb and silly, and like trying to make a point. But it's an exaggerated moment where you forget about what the point is all about. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's uh, very telling that Cassius is like, stop, you don't need to be doing this. Because, like, yeah, things can be better, but this is not the way you go about it. What are you doing to yourself? And she's like, it's part of the art. And it's, like, also showing that, hey, art has a business side to it. So you are going to wheel and deal even though you say your expression is going to is what's going to change the world, there's also that business side to it. There's also is like is your expression really the the thing that's going to drive change? It might bring awareness, but probably it's not going to be the driver of change. Mm-hmm. Whereas we see Squeeze's union organization, it's more grounded in reality. It's more of like it doesn't really get to the craziness of left eye. It gets to be like he's talking to his friends in a bar and saying like hey how about we all tomorrow stop calling people all at this time and get up and just say fuck regal view phones down phones down (laughs) and yeah we we definitely have that moment but we also see that moment becomes where they're standing and blocking the way of uh the power callers and everything and you get these like these um these stormtroopers basically oh like my gosh brutally knock people out of the way in order to for the power callers to get in and once someone actually hits one of the power callers you see that it's actually um one like all regular people think it's either a funny joke on a video or it's like oh or concern and then the power callers are like oh whatever yeah, yeah it's another day at the office type of thing crazy um and then it all ends up as an all-out riot at the end where Cassius gets his friends from his neighborhood that are on the football team. That Apparently they've been on the football team for like 20 years or something. That's all they did? <laughs> yeah. And they set up like these brick statues that uh, Detroit made and to stop them. And they start to stop them and it breaks out into a full-on riot. And so it shows like kind of like... When you meet force with force, yeah, it's going to get ugly and nasty and everything, but hopefully it's going to be worth it and that the co- and that the results are going to be what you were striving for. Mm-hmm. And one thing I really appreciated about it was at the end, um, Cassius decides not to be a power caller anymore. He decides to go back to real view telecalling. It's not that, hey, I changed the world and I'm in a brand new world with sunshine and rainbows and everything. It's more like... Yeah, I'm going to go back to my old job. I got a more humble car. I don't have this crazy sports car that I bought. I gave it to my friend, and he loves it. Sure, he'll have a good time with it until yeah. he, uh, until it runs down. And so, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a next step of improvement. And I'm about to get, like, a small apartment and stuff. Um, I'm, or I'm back in my uncle's house. and I But I cleaned up my place. It looks nicer. <laughs> It's not like how he, because uh, you know the movie opens up with him opening up the, the garage door and like it, that was like an accident thing that shouldn't yeah. have happened. Whereas now he then put in the furniture that actually opens up with it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it uh, and like when it ends, it's like 
Cassius is not, well, before the actual ending, um, the moment where you think like, hey, he's kind of learned his lesson is more of like, hey, I'm going to do well at this job and continue to see where it leads me mm -hmm. rather than try to take the first opportunity that comes to me, kind of weigh options a little bit more, very rational way of ending a hero's journey, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, what happens at the end? Oh, and then all of a sudden, Cassius turns into an Equisapien and <laughs> shit runs crazy again. He goes to Steve's house, and uh, him and the rest of the Equisapiens knock down his door <laughs> and, like, go after him. I was like, oh, okay, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. And I was, like, again, like, this fucking movie surprised the hell out of me, and it kept doing it because it was like, oh, there was a part of me that's like, oh, I guess he's fine. He's not going to turn. He's 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 good. He in like even when in Steve office, he's like, "Is that what you gave me?" He's like, "No, man. I, like, what did I give you?" He's like, "It's pure, right?" Did he actually say it was cocaine, or he said it was, it was pure? Yeah, he okay. said it was like one hundred percent pure. It, yes, yeah. it's pure cocaine. He's like, "Oh, okay." And uh, you know, at the end of this movie, we're ending on a happy ending. You know, Cassius is back with Detroit, and they even had a falling out of them, kind of breaking up and kind of getting back together. <clears throat> So he closes the garage door, and all of a sudden he's like, ow, ow, like start holding his face. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's wrong. And then he turns around to the camera, and his nostrils are just huge. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, he is going to turn into an Equisapien son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, so that was, I thought that was great. <laughs> That's such a great kind of additive on that one. Um, and just, that, this movie just kept surprising me uh, from turn to turn. That was pretty cool. Uh, but, uh, so talk to me about this TV show that everybody's addicted to. <laughs> so, I mean, it goes back to that entertainment thing. So we have the YouTube video that Cassius is in, that billions of people watch. But the number one TV show in the U.S. is I Got the Shit Kicked Out of Me, where people go on here to just get the shit kicked out of them, and they like, it's kind of like cutting a deal. It's like, kick the shit out of me if you let me do this mm -hmm. type of thing we find out. But we just see it in the background for the most part, and people are just getting punched in the face, kicked in the nuts, kicked in the stomach, <laughs> and just like terrible things happening to them. So uh, Cassius uh, find, like, loses his phone when he's at Steve's house, and he finds that um, the Equisapiens actually put out a video <laughs> and messaged it to... Um, or did they message it to his new phone or did they message it to Detroit? Detroit. They messaged it to Detroit yeah. and you see all these like the like, help us, we're in trouble, we're in prison. Like, get back there. And you see <laughs> Steve's walk on the video. He's like, get back there. He's like insulting them. Oh yeah, and he's like saying like, something. Know, he was saying something about them and just like degrading them and just treating them like animals. Uh, and, um, or Equisapiens, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the, and it, uh, that video, he's like, I got to release this video to the public and everything. And it's like, tries to do the normal channels thing, like release it to the news and everything. And people are like, oh, they won't believe you and, and stuff like that. And just turning them down. So he's like, well, what do people watch the most? This stupid TV show. <laughs> and so he has to go on there, get the shit kicked out of him, uh, be, have feces dumped on him. <laughs> yeah. And eventually, they actually just play the video raw in front of their billions of people audience. And so after that, um, that's when Steve's empire starts to crumble. Mm -hmm. That it's less like, hey, you can't do this. This is inhumane. The, why do these things exist? What is going on here type of thing? And so that's when we start to see that Worry Free starts to crumble as a company. 
and that um, Regalview becomes its own like just regular telemarketer company again. Power callers, I guess, don't exist anymore because they don't have worry fee free as a client anymore. Uh, and uh, they start to um, things start to get an equilibrium. It starts. That's where we get to that normal ending before we get to the batshit crazy ending. The fact that the only two things that were on TV were the news. And I sh- I got the shit kicked out of me. I think was another sort of commentary on like TV today, and I think it was another thing to say. You know, if you're not watching news or something else is fucking crazy, that's gonna happening. And the closest thing I can think of is like that wipeout show that's always sometimes on TV. Like yeah. you have like some nonsense that everybody's gonna be uh, addicted to watching, and nobody's actually watching the news to figure out like what's happening. So I, I think that was another thing. I, I maybe I'm reading to something too much, but there's a lot of political stuff. There's a lot of like commentary of you know our world in today's society, all over. And Detroit is like a perfect example. Uh, in this movie, from her art, from her earrings, from just everything she does, even her costumes and her, some of her t- right. t-shirts and stuff too, everything about that character I think was meant to be, um, you know, what's happening sort of. It's kind of like yeah, I yeah I support this movie like my hashtag Me Too t-shirt kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think it's also very telling because we think about like. You talk a lot to a lot of people nowadays, and they're like, "Yeah, I watch the news. I watch the Daily Show, mm-hmm. which is a comedic entertainment show." Mm-hmm. That yeah, they definitely, um, they definitely uh, report on news events and mostly political events. But it, priorities there is comedy and humor and entertainment. It's not necessarily the serious news reporter that you see on like CNN or MSNBC. So I think also that. I got the shit kicked out of me is kind of like could be having a jab at like those kind of shows yeah. as well. Just yeah. like a variety show trying to be the actual news for you compared to um, compared to regular news or you're actually getting the real news off of something that's meant to be entertainment. Good point. Yeah. Um, one other thing I would add, even though I do like, I mean, the whole concept of worry-free in the company, I kind of wanted it to be kept in the background i mean that would actually and we could still have the character of steve lift Mm -hmm. but i think the whole idea of worry free is uh so crazy that if it was kept in the background we focus more on regal view and like had a couple more scenes of the um of the uh of the unionizing happening and like the union versus the middle management. I kind of wanted to have more of that story told rather than go into this power caller realm, which is when you go to the power caller center, it's definitely totally different than the Regal View Center where uh, Regal View is just uh, a line of desks and phones and everything where power callers, like everybody has their own glass bubble and like bottled water and they sit in these fancy couches and stuff and they have one client which is worry free and it's to call all these places to make these multi-million dollar deals for the labor force that worry free provides mm. um and i found that maybe worry free was a little too to became too much of the focus at the end and it should have stayed with the unionizing and regal view for the most part um, and I would say like, it was great to have Terry Cruz's Sergio, like, especially like the scene coming up when he felt like 
even though cash has started to help him out with the uh, rent and everything and make sure it's paid on time, there is a point that um, that Sergio says, like, I'm moving, I got to go. And because it's not always about the money. Mm-hmm. There's more factors into it than meeting your rent. And so he packs his car, he leaves, and it's, I forget what he says to Cassius, but it, I found it to be one of the best scenes in the movie that he's like, you know, it's not always about the material things. There's also a piece of me, can I feel like I'm myself here? And he's like at a point where it's like, you're family, but you don't feel like family anymore. And that's why he feels like it's got to kind of go mm. now. That's a good point. I, I thought he joined Worry Free. Uh, no, no. They were just leaving. They were just leaving. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit about the music. Yeah. So the music was done by the coup, which is Boots Riley's uh, band. Uh, and it just felt like there was just one song throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping to hear like more songs by him. I like that one song that they play, but I think it's just overplayed too much. And I think they should have had a little bit more dynamics to the music yeah. throughout it. They did play a Tune Yards song. I'm not sure how many, but Tune Yards, if, you, if you've ever heard of this, uh, like Google. Okay, I'll play it after, but you know, right. everybody should Google it because there's songs in there that literally is like, ooh, this fits perfectly with how crazy this movie is because it starts off as a regular song, then it gets all super crazy of like the music itself, and then it goes back, and there's a lot of different like articles and <clears throat> like hints of like just different stages of craziness. In their music, which I, I like actually their music, but it's also interesting because it's like, oh, that's sort of what this movie feels like too, at some points. Yeah, what else you got? Anything else before our lasting thoughts or any things you want to talk about? Um, that's pretty much all I had on my mind. Just mm-hmm. see if you had anything else you wanted to add, like in terms of just the visuals or the the stories they were trying to tell. I know, like the, the re- I like the reoccurring of like different things that was kept happening in the movie. Like you saw his car, right? Yeah. And his car was like super, super uh, broke down and messed up. But there was a lot of repetitious. So I'm wondering if that was done on purpose because he will go to certain areas and do the same things. He will see the football players and he will still drive. And even the repetitions of, you know... Um, Detroit would enter the scene and like her different earrings like those are things that was happening at the same time there is even like that montage with Johnny and Cash's Green and how he's like started doing his white voice and getting all the success and so you start seeing that here of like the the light will go off every time and like yeah people Johnny's just change. like yeah yeah they do like high fives right I like like that style of it that there's something yeah. about the repetitious the rep- repetitiveness there we go of um, saying like telling the stories in circles, sort of thing, how it always kind of comes back. Um, so that was kind of pretty cool because that also sort of repetitious thing that I'm talking about is kind of like a spiral too, right? And I don't know if it was on purpose, but you see when Cassius first does coke, I think yeah. he, he does it's it in spiral, a spiral right? Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, like I'm wondering if that was on purpose. Hmm. Uh, because even like he starts off in his garage, he gets all the way back up, and then he it's, the movie ends with him back in the, that same garage again too. So I'm wondering if like there was something along the lines of, like spirals. I'll be curious to watch this movie again to see if there's any other spirals yeah. or repetitiveness that was happening with that. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting way to um, tell a story. Also keep it visually pleasing because it's something that was always changing. Um, the 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 use of color. In this movie, the costumes or the, yeah. this, the the attire in this movie is also phenomenal. I, I mentioned, you know, Tessa Thompson's Detroit was great. 
um, at, you know, all of her, like, wear, what she was, she was actually using, but, like, the suits, Mr. Blanks, like, everything that it was using I thought was pretty cool, even to the point where one story inside a real, a real, no, not real, real to view? No. What's the name? Regal, Regal View. Yeah. yeah. One story inside Regal View is very, um, like, drab, like, very, like, bl- bland, like, plain colors. Once they get all the way up to, the, you know, the the power collar sort of area, then it's, like, a little bit more brighter. It's, like, glass on there. It's, like, very, very clean, and I like the different locations. And in Steve's house, it was, like, all different colors and lots of different craziness that was happening there, too. So I like that use of colors. I'm sure there's also, like, a deeper meaning that I just didn't read into just yet, but uh, I'm sure if I would have watched it again, I'm probably going to get some more out of it. Uh, but I just like, just, like, some of the images in here. I think, you know, even when uh, the... the Bitch have a coke and smile, like throwing the bottle and like cracking his head open, and how people like were selling that as a thing now. Um, I just think it's another commentary. It's like so much stuff that's happening today in society that you know people are like, oh, that should be funny, right? And it's like, no, it shouldn't be, but who no. knows, right? There's always that you know he would say something, and at least for me, I'm like, man, I'm not entirely sure how I should take that, but I think that's the point of it, right? Yeah. I'm showing you something new. You probably don't know, you know, yes or no, right? You're kind of sitting in that middle area. It could offend you. It also could you be could be laughing about it too, but you at least get to that point of you can start asking those questions like, oh shit, how am I supposed to feel about this? And maybe I need to like learn more about what's happening in my society. Um, so I thought it was pretty cool. It definitely kind of asked a lot of questions. What I thought was pretty cool. It yeah. answered all the questions I needed to know in the movie, which was great. But it's also getting me to ask more questions about like myself and just society and, and like my identity as a whole. And you know, it's curious. You know, some of the things that I do. Am I changing myself? Like, in my caches at some point? And like, do I step out and do a white voice? Like, there's a lot of questions I had. I was like, oh shit, this movie yeah. is important. And, and that's why I'm glad that we can review it. Uh, I really hope that, you know, the rest of our guys, that they're probably going to watch this movie and be like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah. I went to Twitter immediately. It was like, I need to talk to this. And random people, because I tweeted to the movie, and random people started, like, talking to me about it. So that was pretty cool. Are you an Equisapien? Uh, I mean, I, no. Mm-hmm. I, I do have some spiral coke in the back, though. We can, <laughs> you know, we can you know, try it out and see what happens. <laughs> Is my nostrils getting... You could have just asked me if your nostrils getting bigger. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what you got for your last and thoughts here? Uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I think um, it's definitely visually creative, and it's uh, it's got some great performances that uh, definitely worth saying, especially Lakeith Stanfield, uh, fantastic leading man in this uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot, like with a lot of these style movies, it's just that... The it's not about giving you answers and the story is not as fleshed out as you probably want it to be, but there's different parts of it that'll be good conversation starters, just like mm-hmm. we've had today. Um and it's um and I think uh was I wonder was Boots Riley uh was he trying to state a certain message here? Because there's tons of stuff in here. Like you said, this does require another viewing to probably see everything when in terms of symbolism or uh just themes that are going on in this movie to kind of um just filter out and compartmentalize and see what is this movie all about too um and i find that i i hope that people don't take it as like oh these are the answers we need to unionize and that's going to make everything much better it's more about like being yourself which i think is the big overall theme it's like 
Um, be yourself. Uh, go after what you think will make you better, but also weigh your options when you're ready to move to the next step in your life. And are the losses or the sacrifices you're going to make to get to that point? Is it something of something too important to give up versus something that, yeah, it's okay to cast it aside so I can actually get to a different place that I want to be as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so definitely go see it. And I definitely want to see what Boots Riley does next. I can't agree more with what um, I think you actually said. I mean, I was very, very curious about watching this movie. I think I was really excited just because of the, the poster art that I've seen. I think I've seen at some point. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And I'm just glad that he was himself. I hope he was himself, you know, being original, making an original work. It could have been very, very easy to make this movie and talk about Cassius um, having a white voice, finding success from there, becoming the top. It, like, it could have been a very easy movie that he could have made, but I think kind of ramping it up putting in the Equisapiens, putting in the worry-free, putting in this stuff that people may think is ridiculous, but, I mean, if once it's applied to some of the shit that's happening for right now, I mean, maybe not so much, right? There's some companies that will kind of put you up, kind of give you housing and hotel, and you're basically signing your life away. And so there's certain jobs and kind of careers that do that. And it's like, yeah, they're not, they may not be physically changing you to horse people, but... Kind of is, you know, and so we I have think a mutual it, friend that yeah. just got sent to France for three weeks. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so it's just like, oh damn, you know, like I think you know he he cranked it up a lot, and I was really really appreciative of that. Again, I really like the fact that you know making movies that's really asking me start asking questions and start asking questions about yourself and like your identity, and once you can start making these things that's completely different than everything else, that's when it becomes like impactful. Um, this movie may lose a lot of people. I think people are going to receive this movie very, very poorly. Um, yeah, because they'll be like, oh, they're saying that, and that's that's not... It's either like, oh, well, I mean, if there's a white voice, what about the black voice type of thing? And they might bring up that argument, and yeah, I mean, that's not the point of it. Exactly. So I'm super curious, you know, if people didn't like this movie, I'd love to talk to them, like, ask them questions of why. Is if, if it's something like, oh, I was offended by some of the content, I'm going to be like, well... You have to grow up because there's worse shit that happened in the world today. He's just trying to bring it out to light. So I'm curious. I'm just very. I'm. I, I, I'm actually curious. If you hated this movie or somebody hated this movie, definitely let me know. I would love to like talk about this movie more. I'm probably gonna go watch it again uh, whenever I get some more time. Um, probably this week actually. So I'm pretty pumped about that. <laughs> and with that, we are the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. Sorry to bother you, but... Uh... Oh, sorry to bother you, Warren, but <laughs> I had to just mention, like, one last scene that's amazing yeah. is when Cassius does become a power caller and he goes to talk to his uh, friend Sal again and when they're in front of the picket lines that they're given, like, the most positive insults to one another. Oh, that was so great. Oh, my gosh. Well, you look like you're doing well. (laughs) You too. I am. You look nice. Oh, yeah, you too. New shoes? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was fucking great. Oh, what a good call. Oh, my gosh. I love that scene. Yeah. There's probably so many other like small tidbit scenes too that we need to talk about. Even the fact that Terry Crews has hair in this movie, why? <laughs> why? He could have easily been bald, but whatever. Yep. Uh, we have been the Down and Front Podcast. Bradley, where can people find more of your work? Uh, you can find me uh, using my southern voice on Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. 
And you can also find me on Instagram every once on a blue moon, putting up a mini movie review at I am Bryland. And I'm also the host of the games cast. We're playing through, um, beyond two souls. That's the name of the game. Twitch.tv slash down in front podcast. And you can find more of our work, so definitely check out our website, downinfrontpodcast.com, where we're going to be putting in our, our video teasers. We put in so, so many, a lot of information. Also, check us out over on Instagram. We, we actually missed out today because we were going back to back, but we do like some sort of short sort of like live sort of reviews. We try to keep them spoilers free as much as possible, but kind of quick things so that, you know, at least under a minute or so you can watch this and says, you know what, should you check this movie out or not? Um, we're on Facebook, so facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast on uh, t- uh, Twitter, underscore DAFP. Uh, also, if you like what we do, you definitely kind of want to support and kind of hang out with us on our actual chat. You can become a patron, patreon.com slash downinfrontpodcast. It actually joins you to be on our Discord channel where we talk about movies. And right now, one of the hosts of Fear Boners, Abbott, is at um, San Diego Comic-Con. So he's probably, he's like been blowing us up about, you know, all the new stuff and all the new stuff that's coming out. So it's also pretty cool. So definitely check out more of our work. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned. You know, next week we're going to look to review Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, which it's like the eighth one of those. Fifth or something like that. Around one of those numbers. One of those numbers, yeah. Tom Cruise. Uh, but thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, sorry to bother you. And we'll see you later. I'm waving if you can't tell. Good night. Good night. Where's Scott? <laughs> oh man, it's like almost 8 o'clock.